You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. As the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls away. So the brevity of life. So listen, resentment harbored day after day is a dangerous, cancerous sore. So if you're bearing a grudge right now against another person, go to that person. Make things right. Promote healing. You take the lead on that. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God is what stands forever. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Mike, he explains to you the sincerity of the brevity of life. This one life is all that you've got. So what and who are you living for? Pastor Mike encourages you to live your life for Christ. Shine His life in this world. And if you're struggling within your relationships with others, do all that you can to make them right. Reconcile with those you can today and live for Jesus. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 for today's edition of In My Father's House. in our series in 1st Peter. It's called the Living Hope series. And in the progression of that series now, we've moved into chapter 1. And we're going to close out chapter 1 by addressing the final few verses here in chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And this message, the title is Unfeigned Love. So 1st Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Since you have purified your souls, In obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because his flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers, and its flowers falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So once again, this message, the title is Unfeigned Love. Okay, let's back up a little bit. Now remember, last time together, we were talking about the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon the cross at Calvary to pay the full ransom price for the sins of all who believe. And it's through that precious blood that we shed there on the cross that we've received our salvation, redemption. 
we are made uh, secure in Jesus uh, Christ. Notice there in verse 19, we are told uh, there that we were uh, redeemed uh, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without uh, spot. So though salvation, and we talked about this last time, is entirely of grace, is entirely free to those who would accept it, it's a gift that comes from God, but nevertheless it was extremely costly to God who offered up the blood of his own dear Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And listen, no other price could do it. The precious blood of Jesus. That was God's prescribed way so that we might be able to secure our salvation. To be saved, we must all come God's way. And Jesus is that way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So no one else comes to the Father except through him. There's no other way that we can receive our salvation except through him and what he did for us, dying in our place upon the cross. Uh, let me give you a cross-reference for this. From the book of Acts in chapter 4 and verse 12, remember when Peter was standing before the Sanhedrin, uh, the religious council there in the city of uh, Jerusalem, and it was proclaiming Jesus Christ. And referring to him, he says this, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus is the only way. He is God's way. Now, those of us who have come God's way through Jesus, his atoning work there on the cross, who have experienced redemption, will bear certain marks of this miracle of God. And, and yes, there are more than a few of those marks, but the one Peter zeroes in on here in our text, notice in verse 22, is the unfeigned love of the brethren. Notice what he says. All who have become the children of God, verse 22, born again of the Spirit of God, obeying the truth through the Spirit, will manifest their new life, how? By a genuine love for others. You know, that's the badge of Christianity. I mean, Jesus himself said, they would know that you are my disciples by your love one towards another. That's the way that we would be recognized. The book of Galatians, another cross-reference for you, chapter 5 and verse 22. There we are told the fruit of the Spirit is love. And thus all who are born of the Holy Spirit will show forth God's love. It's just the outgrowth. It's just the product, the natural result of our Christ decision that we've made for Jesus Christ, being born again of the Spirit of God. You know, let me share an observation with you. I've personally discovered that the degree to which we respect and cherish other people measures how closely we are walking together with Jesus. You say, how does that work? Well, think about it. As we draw closer to Christ, his nature is imparted to us. And when we think about who Jesus is, if you want to just sum him up in one word, God is love. Our love for God is discernible uh, by our actions towards others. Our actions of love reveals what's inside of us. Uh, let me give you an example of this. I hope that it's a good example. You know the antifreeze box 
in a car, you lift up the hood uh, of your car, there in the engine, and there's this little antifreeze box. Well, that determines how much liquid there is in the radiator. And if that antifreeze box is half filled, what does that indicate? What well, indicates that the radiator is also half filled. And so anyway, here's a Christian who's half filled, sort of loving the brethren, sort of loving Jesus. You see, that's the gaze, the love. That's the thermometer. Our actions of love reveal what's inside of us. You see, when there is an abundant love for Jesus, it will overflow and abound towards other people. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 validates this truth. There John declares, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And so, love. That is the demonstration that Christ lives within us. Gang, nothing is more important than love in practical Christianity. No sum of money given, no time invested, and by the way, all of those occupations have its place in our Christian experience, but nothing can substitute for a genuine, unfeigned love for the brethren in Christ. Gang, that is what is referred to as successful Christianity. And also, let me add, that that kind of love is unique to Christianity. Let me give you an example. A lawyer may have no love for his clients and yet be successful and achieve. How about another example? A physician may have no love for his patients and still be competent and skillful in healing. Or how about a businessman? Uh, who may have no love for those with whom he deals, and yet be prosperous. But, on the other hand, and in contrast, a Christian cannot be successful, cannot be useful, cannot be fruitful, truly impact others for Jesus Christ without love. As a cross-reference for this, if you would, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which, as you know, is known as the love chapter, and in there, in 1 Corinthians, uh, in chapter uh, 13, and I'll read it for you, but if, you, if you'd like to join me, I, I'd encourage you to uh, turn there with me as, as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, Paul puts it like this. And again, the idea here is that the most important thing is love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, just a bunch of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. That is in comparison. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but not have love, it profits me uh, nothing. So the most important thing in successful Christianity is love. So Peter here in our text, in this section of his epistle, implores us to make certain that we love one another with a pure heart, that we love one another fervently. And again, this kind of love 
comes from a heart that is so filled with Jesus Christ that there is a holy and an impelling zeal to help other people. It's more than talk. It's more than pitying someone. It produces. It is real concern for other people. It's the kind of compassion and love that Jesus spoke of in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 25. If you just turn there with me, verses 35 and 36. Jesus now addressing his disciples said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And so they were a little confused about the saying of our Lord's. They couldn't remember when they had given Jesus food to eat and liquid or water uh, to drink. When he was sick, they visited him. And so they asked him the question, when do we do these things? Well, then anyway, he goes on, and let's jump down to verse 40 here in chapter 25. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto uh, me. So what do we take away from this? Well, remember, our acts of kindness do not end with those that we've helped. The Lord is honored and glorified. And he takes special note of each thing that we do in his name. So here's the question. Are we loving as Jesus commanded us to love? You know, D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist, uh, would tell this story. On one occasion, he was traveling on a train with his friend, the beloved gospel musician, D.B. Towner, and the train made a brief stop in a small town, and a young man who was in a fighting mood boarded the train. He was bruised and cut from a recent brawl. Recognizing Mr. Moody, he attempted to sing some of the old gospel hymns. Well, the loud and contemptuous tones greatly incensed Mr. Moody. Soon he called the conductor, who reluctantly... Uh, well, Moody requested him to remove the young man from the car, but reluctantly, the conductor spoke gently to the young man, escorted him to the baggage car, bathed his cuts and bruises, and did all that he could do to make him comfortable. Well, hearing of this, that is Moody, hearing of this shortly afterward, Moody exclaimed to Towner, and last night I was preaching about the Good Samaritan. And this morning, I have my feet in the shoes of both the priest and the Levite who have passed him by. This is a terrible rebuke to me. Gang, we as Christians, not loving, have no excuse whatsoever. But you might say, you might object, Mike, you don't understand. The people that I have to deal with, my difficult boss, you don't know what I've had to gone through. You don't know what they've put me through. I've stood all that I can. Well, notice in verse 23, Peter gives us some insights on how we can love in spite of those situations. Verse 23, what did God say there? Having been born again. That's it. Having been born again gives us the capacity to be able to love beyond our own capacity to love. You see, there's something supernatural going on that helps us to love. 
It's a part of that new birth. It's by the help of God's Holy Spirit working in and through us. Now, listen, if you're not born again, if you're not a child of God, your lack of love is understandable. In fact, if you're a child of the devil, your fruits will naturally be hatred, malice, envy, jealousy. But hey, if you're a child of God, born again of the Spirit of God, I expect, you know, unsaved people uh, to be inconsiderate and unkind, but not believers. So if you have been born again of the Spirit of God, you can love and forgive at all times. Listen, Peter learned this lesson early on as a disciple. Remember when he was questioning Jesus about how we are to forgive other uh, people. It's recorded first in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. So Peter asked Jesus this question, Lord, how often should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And how did Jesus respond to that uh, question? Well, do not say uh, to you up to seven times, but rather 70 times 7, and not 490 times neither. In other words, we are to continue to forgive. There's no number that's uh, attributed to the times and the frequency of our forgiving uh, those who have sinned against us. We must measure comparatively few times we have forgiven others against God's forgiveness of our countless sins. And only when Jesus ceases to forgive may we withhold our forgiveness. But the truth is, he can't stop forgiving. I mean, think about it. Even at the cross, he cried out in the last few moments of his life, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Now let's go back to our text. Notice believers, there in verse 23, we are told, have been born anew by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And this seed, under normal conditions, will produce love. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, John tells his beloved, Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You see, this is how others know that we belong to Him. As I mentioned before, it's the badge of Christianity, our love one towards another. And so, cast off petty resentments, grudges. Life is so short, which is indicated there, notice in verse uh, 24. When we read, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers, and the flower falls away. So the brevity of life. So listen, resentment harbored day after day is a dangerous, cancerous sore. So if you're bearing a grudge right now against another person, go to that person. Make things right. Promote healing. You take the lead on that. Notice also there in verse 25, the first part of it. There we are told, the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, in other words, our love for others should be like his eternal promises, which are forever, which are changeless and sure. 
And then finally there, notice in verse 25, the latter part of it. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And so what do we conclude here? Well, remember, it is God's grace that brings the good news of his love to unlovable men. If believers are to carry the message effectively to those who don't know the love of God, we must abound with his love in both word and deed. It's a loving life that will best convince others of Christ's reality. So be a lover. Love God. Love man. You know, in the book of Ephesians, we're encouraged along these uh, lines. If you quickly turn there with me, this will be the last cross-reference I'll, I'll share with you, and then we'll uh, close out our message in a, in a word of prayer. But in the book of Ephesians, in chapter uh, 4, in verses 30 through 32, uh, let me read that for you. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's interesting, because we're talking about the subject of love. Remember now, as I mentioned before, the Holy Spirit is the one who wants to produce this love in and through our lives. So we're exhorted here by Paul, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now we move into chapter 2 of the book of 1 Peter. So we want to begin by reading the first three verses of Scripture, Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore or wherefore, the writer is drawing a conclusion as it relates to what had preceded it, all of the instructions, all of the things that we've been talking about, all of the lessons that we've learned over the last several weeks uh, as we've moved through chapter 1. So therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. In other words, be just as enthusiastic as is a child looking to feed from its mother's breast as it relates to our being as enthusiastic in receiving of God's word and obeying it, responding to the exhortations that are recorded for us here in this section of 1 Peter. In verse 3, he goes on along these same lines, and he says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. All of the things that we've been talking about that are recorded for us in chapter 1, our salvation, our redemption, our being purchased, our being ransomed, our being born again, all of which is made possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that has been your experience, well then we have great reason and responsibility to receive these exhortations, to respond to the instructions that are before us, that is to go on to maturity. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. As we study the book of 1 Peter together, we pray it has both encouraged and challenged you to grow in your faith. The Apostle Peter understands that standing firm in your faith isn't all so easy, but the reward is great. Learn from him today and practice self-discipline and trust the Lord to help you through. 
You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening service, so everyone has the chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support. And thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more with Pastor Mike right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.